it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm joined by former Washington tight end Logan Paulson as we try to figure out what is wrong with Washington's defense. We talk a lot about disguising looks and how they can help and the defensive line and Chase Young's progress. There's a disconnect with that line. As individuals, they're not playing poorly. You see a lot of flashes. As a group, they're not playing together, and that is a big issue. We also get into a little bit on the offense and Taylor Heineke. You can follow Logan on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson 82. He breaks down plays on his page, so he is a worthwhile follow. I always love having him on here because I think you learn from his insight. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about where this team is at following that ugly loss in Buffalo. It'll be an interesting week for Washington. There's a lot of frustration for obvious reasons, and it's funny how many outside observers I talk to who feel the defense on the line in particular is playing selfish. Is it all the time? No. Is it just one person? No. But I bet you the coaches feel the same way. Can they turn it around? Sure. I believe the coaching and the players are good enough to do a lot better. I will be honest, I don't always feel that way about teams in Washington. Sometimes I hear how talented this group is, and I've just kind of shook my head in the past. I'm like, no, I don't think that's the case. I do think this line is very talented. Um, Is it the best in the NFL? Well, certainly not right now. It's not. But I think it has the ability to be much, much better. I also see holes that won't be fixed until the offseason. I think Chase Young can still have an impactful season. But I also think at 22, he needs to figure out who he still is as a rusher. I think there's still a lot he has to learn. Developing a rush strategy, um, for example. And re-watching the the Bills game, when he just went off the line, just like boom, he was far better and impactful. And I get into that a little bit with Logan about when he stutter steps after he starts, not impactful at all. But when he just goes, or when he stutters, then goes, he is much more impactful. The hands are more violent. His game is just better. And it allows him to still make an impact while he's developing as a rusher. He has special skills in that area. He needs to use them a lot more consistently. If he does that, then you'll be pretty happy with the results. But I'll have more on this on Friday's podcast, as well as there's one player they need to do more with on Sunday. And now, here's my conversation with former Washington tight end Logan Paulson. All right, Logan. Well, this is not the start for the defense that I think anybody really expected. What has stood out to you about their start? I think so. I think it's a couple of things, right? I think when you look at this team, when you look at this defense, um, I think everyone kind of looks at last year, how they finished last year and said, oh, wow, they're going to be X this year. But I, I think it's important to understand they brought in some new pieces. They that's always going to have a little bit of a learning curve. And like my question to you is like, how good was that defense really last year, right? How good were those pieces last year against those kind of offenses they saw late in the year? And I would say that they're probably playing about 
what I would expect. You know what I mean? I think there are some glaring issues that were kind of brought to light against the Bills, for example. I just don't, I think like there's this kind of lack of continuity defensively in the sense that like really good defenses and coverage that I've played with on a team with that really good defenses, like they understand how how concepts, how offenses attack the defensive structure that they're in, right? They know where the weak spots are and they play into those a little bit, right? They kind of change their drop angle a little bit because they know like in cover three, like the weak spot is the, is the like the seed player on the left side, you know, whatever it is. So they kind of get a little deeper there and then they force offenses to adjust to that kind of within the confines of their defense. And when I see the Washington football team play coverage specifically, I don't see them kind of on the same page consistently, which is very challenging. And I think that also like, the pass rush, you know, can cover up a lot of issues with regards to coverage. And it just hasn't been, it's been fine. You know, it was fine against the Giants. I think a little bit lackluster against the Bills. But again, like people need to understand that some of that inconsistency from the pass rush stems from the different looks that the offenses are giving him. Offenses are not dumb in the NFL. They know that like that's where the bread and butter, that's where all the investment is. They teams run so much play action against this front and it makes pass rushers tentative, right? They run screens and draws and it gets those guys out of the game super early. Um, The LA did it masterfully and everyone's just kind of cookie cuttering that game plan. And it makes sense. So now you're putting more pressure on the back end and the back end is a whole bunch of guys who are very, very talented. I I think if you were to play man coverage, it's like one of the best man coverage groups in the NFL. However, like they're not on the same page. So when you play zone coverages and you got a rookie in St. Juice, you got a new guy in Williams. You got McCain playing center field. Like they don't always see it. It doesn't always line up. Even Landon Collins coming in after missing a half a year of football. Like those things add up quickly. And because they're not working together, because they're not seeing it the same way, and because the defensive line is not creating a ton of pressure, for whatever reason, it just it, it it's magnified on the back end. Can you speaking of the coverage? Because I get this a lot too about you know why don't they play? They play man. They definitely play man. And yeah. they played man on those third downs. Yes. Can can they play it more? If so, would teams want to, like, especially again, third and long, do you really want to play man? Or, you know, like, you know, can you play it more and be successful? Or do you think teams would just start to pick that apart too? So I, th- I think that's a great. That's a fantastic question. And like, you know, I, I said, they're a really good bunch of man coverage guys. They are. But you like the teams that play high percentages of man coverage are like New England and Miami. And they live and die by man coverage. They have great pressure packages to kind of help cover that stuff up. And you just can't do it down and down. And I think maybe the highest percentage rate of man coverage last year was like 40%. And that's crazy high. It's crazy high. Because a good offense, if you've got matchup issues, like you're going to dice that apart, right? Sure. Like, for example, when I was in Atlanta, you got Julio Jones. You can't ask a corner to play man coverage against Julio for 40% of snaps. Like, that's just – it's ridiculous, right? And so – you're not putting those guys in the best case scenario to be successful. Like you need to be able, it's like, I I make this analogy all the time, but I think it's really, really uh, works here. Right. It's like a boxing match, right? You don't just throw haymakers all the time. Right. One, like the, the, the guy knows what's coming, right. He can game plan for that. Right. You need to kind of mix stuff in to help set stuff up. Right. And I think that's something that from a play calling standpoint needs to improve. And the guys need to know how to execute that better because yeah, if we just go out there and play man-to-man coverage, you or I, we could game plan against that and we could kill right. it because there's man beaters and like just physically it's hard to cover those man beaters based on like years of NFL learning how to dissect man coverage, right? And 
it just doesn't work. So yes, I understand why fans might say that they need more, they need to play more man coverage. I just think they need to work. What I would say, they're struggling. They need to work on disguising what they're doing a little bit better. Because what I see is I see quarterbacks confidently reading certain sides of the field. I think they get a pre-snap read of zone. They work the, the zone beater. They get a they get a man contour. They work the man beater, or they can check to a man concept. And I think that's something that might help a little bit kind of cover up some of the deficiencies for this secondary and for the linebacking group. You know, it's funny you say that too, because well, the two things with the man, what I remember every year before, you know, I, you may have been here at this time, but I talked to players before a game and like this team plays a lot of man. We're going to pick them apart because they yeah. wanted to see that. They desperately wanted to see that they hated when they played a lot of zone, but to the other the disguising part, you know, is that why, I mean, you look at quarterback getting rid of the ball quick. Is that part of the reason why? I think when a quarterback can confidently make decisions, like one of the things I go back to the Bills, right? And what they're not the masters of this, but I thought they did a good job of just disguising coverage, right? Giving a man contour and then dropping to a zone. And then you see Heineke back there and he wants to throw the ball like that. Clip you sent me a Terry, right? He wants to throw the ball, but it's a little different than what he thought it was. So he pats it, he pats it, the rush comes, he can't work through his progression, he has to scramble for a no gain. Like, it's, it's just enough indecision, even with great quarterbacks. Like, you look at – the thing that separates, like, Tom Brady, for example, is, like, when that indecision happens, it's like he has a default. He knows exactly where his outlet is, right? Because he's been – he's seated a thousand times. With young quarterbacks, with inexperienced guys, I mean, even Josh Allen, right? You give him different contours, you give him different looks, like, and you make him indecisive and they hold the ball, like, that's when the defense can come alive. That's when they can take advantage. And I thought in the game, like, they just – they just didn't do enough of it. You know what I mean? And I got to watch it again. Like I'm going on my third time watching it. And I will say this for all of your listeners, you got a smart crowd. So hopefully they understand this dissecting coverages is really right, challenging, right, right. really challenging because like I could sit here and say, I think this is quarters and I think this is how they should play it. But each team plays quarters a little differently. And then Correct. in addition to the variation that the court, that the team is playing a three by one dictates a different response than a two by two and a tight end different. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. it's so hard to say, this is how they should be playing this. This is how they should be doing my just general thousand foot view is as an offensive player, defenses that were able to disguise their coverage. Well made, made even route runners indecisive, right? Cause as a route runner, like you run a slant different versus man than you do versus cover two. Right. And I, if the angle is a little off and the quarterback throws it and you thought it was man and he thought it was zone, the ball is going to be incomplete. And so, if they can find a way to, and again, that stuff's hard to do with a new bunch of guys in the back end. So they, they're facing challenges, but they have to find a way to overcome them. But you know, it's funny because one thing in this, a little detour, but you know, I've talked about this. One thing I've learned over the years in talking to guys who are really smart, like yourself, I remember one time talking to Reed Dowdy and, and you know, he, the guy played in the NFL for a long time and he's watching, he's like, I don't know how these people are saying exactly what coverage they are. And he goes, you can watch a game. And you're like, is that a cover six? Is that a cover four? Yeah. What, are they, what are they playing? And then like you said, the rules of that defense change. So there are plenty of times where I think, oh, okay, I think I see this. And then you talk to somebody and say, well, actually, no, it was this. And right. then sometimes it's like, sometimes, and this has happened, like the guy's supposed to use a robber technique and doesn't. Well, you don't know that unless you have access to somebody who does. Right. So, you know, and I've seen that here. That happened against the Chargers. So, you know, that there's things like that that happen that you never really – you don't always know. So there's a lot of guesswork with it, even for people who play. You know? And I, I think, like, I got a ton of respect for Reed because he was a guy who used to study his face off. Right, like, exactly. You know, even in the game, like, there was a look where 
you know, look like it's cover two, but, uh, you know, Cam Curl's trying to rob, you know, a dig and say juice is left out to dry. And I, to me, that looks wrong, but maybe that's the technique for the week. Maybe they're rolling coverage in a specific way. So I don't mm -hmm. know, like it looks wrong to me. And I would say, I think this looks wrong, but again, you don't right. know because like every week, every check it's different. So um, I think that's another thing about this evaluation process. that's so challenging with this defense is like there's space, there's holes, right? And the only thing I can fall back on is my experience and say good defenses match concepts well that hurt this coverage, right? They know what hurts them and they match them well. This team's not doing that, right? And then I think and they're not disguising pre-snap, which is another thing good defenses do. So those two things are very general, kind of high-level things, but I think they might be able to positively affect outcomes of games moving forward if they were to adopt some type of philosophy like that. Before we get to the pass rush, because then the D-line, but when you disguise well, what the teams that disguised well, how would they do it? And like, what is the key to disguising well? So I, th I think just like I, I go back to a play that I saw when I was doing the eval for the Bills, right? So they they give you a man coverage. It looks like everyone's topped up. There's guys in the line of scrimmage. It looks like a blitz. And then all of a sudden, everything just changes, right? The guys over the slot receivers run deep. They're running to kind of defend halves of the field or thirds of the field. Those linebackers are kind of fanning out. So they get three over top of four, four coverage players underneath, three over top. And all of a sudden, you thought it was man. You're working the man side of the field. And all of a sudden, it's, it's this demonstrative zone, right? And if you can steal a couple plays like that in critical situations, third down, red zone, like that's that's awesome. You know what I mean? Because then the rush can get home. You might get a pick because the guy tries to force a ball. I think that's the other thing. You see a quarterback get flustered and they make decisions that they wouldn't normally make, right? And like I remember when I was in Atlanta, they were, you know, kind of this traditional cover three team and they were trying to sprinkle in more man. And so they used to like teams, you know, they line up in formations that dictate, you know, like if, if a running back's, you know, out wide, the linebacker matches him. And they're like, we're going to show man so the linebacker stays out there, but we're going to run cover two. So the linebacker becomes the cover two dropper and mm -hmm. the corner, you know, becomes like the spot dropper inside or the hook player. And I thought like, that's pretty slick, you know, but defenses, you got to kind of think about it, kind of massage it to find ways to disguise the coverage. And I think that that's, that's part of the puzzle here, right? Can they get creative enough as coaches, you know, because like, it's hard, it's hard to coach coverages is in this NFL. Like they're, I was watching that route concept the other day on that third and 15, like that is a tough cover, right? Because you got a guy inside running like a, a vertical route. So, like, you got to get the safety to match it, man. He runs it, like, to the corner. So, he gets Williams to fall off and runs back to the post. And then the other guy hooks up underneath. So, I mean, like, those concepts are challenging to deal with. And I think fans need to, need to keep that in mind. And, obviously, Jack Delray needs to be better. But everyone needs to get on the same page. They need to work these kind of subtle nuances, I think, a little bit more. Yeah, and I, th I think even on that play, they were expecting the receiver to run a dig. And he kind of sat yeah. down, which made it because I think the it looks like Bostic is playing for that dig. Now and they're there, you know, listen, you could could you get deeper? Can you do that? I'm sure there's other things they could have done, but that's so they were they almost like they were playing the concept and the receiver used that against them in that situation, which is right. just a smart, you know, I, that's what I, you know, and I believe happened. Yeah. I feel safe in yeah. saying that. Um, what about what about the D-line? Because obviously a lot of talk is on that and that's the money group. That's the Ballyhood group. And it's been very inconsistent. Like I said, I think teams have kind of got a formula now to deal with this group. And it, it all centers around play action pass, to be quite honest, like in my opinion, in my humble opinion. And so what does that mean? It means that like teams have some success running the football, 
This group has not been great at stopping the run over the course of my time covering the team. They have to respect the run a little bit more and it gets them out of a rush, right? Like when they start the rush, it's kind of, uh, and then they got to readjust and get going again. And I think that makes it really challenging. And then teams know, like they, they know this is the money group, right? So the play action, they run a ton of quick game, they run a ton of screens. Just keeping those guys out of rhythm is huge, right? We talked about like, a defensive coordinator, like you're in a fight, right? Offensive coordinator, same thing. Don't let the guy do what they're good at. Don't let those guys get going. Don't let them get confident. And like I talked to a defensive lineman uh, for the Washington football team, and he was like, I just couldn't get into my rush because I didn't know what the heck was going on. You know what I mean? I didn't know, you know, like what I was getting. This is a run. This is a plat. This is a screen. And I think that's good. That's excellent play calling. And the Chargers did it. The Bills did it. Even the Giants did a little bit of it on that first drive, for example. And I think until these guys get more mature and more studied, that's going to continue to be an issue. How do you combat that? Like if it, because they are going to get a lot of play action. So how do you combat that? Well, usually, usually what you do is you get them in, you you get them behind schedule. And what that okay. means is like, you know, obviously first down, you want to be get like a four or five yard gain sure. so you're in second and five, second and six, right? The playbook is still open to you at that point, right? So second and five, second, six, third and three, third and two, all your playbook is still open. The second you're in like a third and 15, which they did, which they got into, right? And if you look at the rush, like those defensive linemen, specifically Payne, wins like right away, right? They thought he was held on that play big time too. Yeah, and I, you know, and a great rush by him, right? Yeah. But that's what you get when you're in an obvious passing situation. Because like, I, I'll tell you, like when I, when I was with Kyle, I remember looking at the call sheet and, you know, the, the you know, the, the third and three stuff is like your whole offense is in basically. Mm-hmm. The second you get to like third and 15, they have a little section of the book. There's, <laughs> four, there's like three or four plays in there, right? That they can go to and that's it. Right. So, you know, it's going to be a pass, you know, it's going to be this. And so like, you got to take advantage of those situations. And that's why it's so disappointing. Another thing about the defense that's so disappointing is they did the right thing. They got them out of that play action yeah. kind yeah. of ability. And they, you know, Allen missed the throw early. It was a run for no gain. And they got a holding call, pushes them back, and then they couldn't capitalize, right? You know, Payne wins, but everybody else gets kind of stymied on their rush. Right. And you need all those guys converging together to kind of make that happen. And you need the coverage to hold up a little bit. I don't even want to say the coverage. I think that's all on the rush there, you know, because like Allen had to step up really by time. And, you know, the rush has to get home in that, in that instance. One thing that Ron Rivera talked about was coordinated rushes. And obviously there's a there's working in sync like that. Can you see that? Can you see the lack of coordination up front? Yeah, I mean, I don't see a ton of it. I don't see guys working together. You know what I mean? And like what that means is like, let's just, this is a simple example. Like, let's say you're playing uh, Patrick Mahomes, right? So when you're playing Patrick Mahomes, you usually have a guy to the right bull rush the tackle, right? Because Patrick Mahomes likes to roll out if he feels pressure mm-hmm. to his left. And you have the guy on the left side of the formation rush really high to kind of catch him uh, as he gotcha. runs out mm-hmm. and teams really do a good job and they can contain him in a, in a nice way doing that. But you have to have one guy kind of bite the bullet and pull the tackle, knowing that he's probably not going to get a sack on the play, knowing you're kind of forcing that rush to the next guy. Right. Another example is like when you run a pick game, right? Like, so, you know, a TE, which would be like tackle first. So like right. tackle run picks the, the defensive tackle runs and t- picks the offensive tackle. And the defensive end comes inside one of those guys is kind of being a sacrificial lamb for the other guy to be free. And I just, they don't, they haven't run a ton of those over the course of the first couple of weeks here. Um, and I think a big part of it is because guys, you got to play team football. And I don't know if that group is 
I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but you know, my observation is I don't know if those guys want to be, I think they want to be doing stuff on their own, creating sacks on their own, mm-hmm. which good pass rushers do. And so I can't fault them for that, but it might be helpful for them uh, moving forward if they could kind of work some work some coordinated pass rush. Week three of football is done, and now it's time to get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week four game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KIM, that's K-E-I-M, to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code KIM, K-E-I-M, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. With, with this group, too, of course, because the guy who's getting a lot of heat is Chase Young. Is it deserved or warranted? Yeah, yeah. So I think, I, I, again, like I'll say this. I th- when you watch Chase Young's college tape, you see a guy who's a generational talent, right? You saw a flash of it last year. Um, however, I think everyone, you know, in the D.C. area wants to make him the next elite pass rusher. They want him to be a top five pass rusher in the NFL. And he's not there yet. And I'm not saying he could never get there, but he's he's not there right now. I don't even, you know, I'd be, I might even go as far as to say he's not even a top 10 pass rusher. And one of the things that makes me feel that way is because of his like lack of consistency. Like good pass rushers, like A, they have really consistent plans. That B, they have really consistent rush angles. And really they know how to dictate a response from the offensive lineman. And right now Chase is just surviving on just freak athleticism and that's fine, you know, but it's only going to lead to a couple of pressures a game. Like you want a Joey Bosa, you want a Miles Garrett, you want, um, you know, Von Miller, you want Hunter up in Minnesota. You want those type of numbers from defensive linemen. Like you need to develop a plan. You need to develop kind of a stable of moves. You need to like understand how the guy's trying to defeat you. And I don't think chase is there yet. And again, like he's still productive, like we talked about off like before the show started, like how he's still creating some pressure, but like it could be so much more consistent if he were to kind of work on the mental side of the game a little bit more and work on some of those more technical things, I think. You know, it's funny because watching Bosa in the opener was an eye opener because I went back and I really wanted to watch Cosme, but when watching Cosme, you're watching Bosa and the consistency with his hands and his technique. And the way he set him up was, yeah. was eye-opening. And, and I think with Chase, one of the things that Rivera had talked about the other day was the stutter stepping. And when I went back, and I think I even showed you some or put it on Instagram, yeah. where yeah. you can see when he when – he, it's not when he stutter steps off the line because sometimes he did that and he got free. It's when he goes 
and then stutter steps and tries to make a move. He almost never gets anything. Like the, the third and 15, you see he's five yards from the quarterback, takes three steps, stutter steps, nowhere close. When he right. just goes, he is so much more violent with his hands, with everything. And that's what I think, like, right now, while he's developing that, he can help himself just by doing that. Yeah, and I think that's another big thing with elite, like Von Miller comes to mind, with elite pass rushers. Like, they know how to create that that stutter step while doing it at full speed. They've, like, you know, talking with – like, Von has that pass rushing camp. When I've talked to guys who go, you know, and Von, like, will change his stance pre-snap so that he can get a certain number of steps in to throw a move that he wants to throw without having a hesitation, right? It's like built into his get off. And I think like that takes time to cultivate that, right? That that's, that's like next level stuff. And Von Miller's been maybe the best edge pass rusher for right. the last, you know, 10 years. Like, and he's a very skilled athlete. So I think that understanding like the rhythm and the distance to the tackle, understand how the tackle is going to try and beat you. Like those are all things that Chase can work on. And it's going to take some time. You know, it doesn't just happen overnight to like develop, you know, study habits and skills like that. But I think if he were to do that, I think then you would start to see the level of production. And you mentioned like just going. Like I remember I was talking to Ryan Kerrigan about one time and he said the best coaching point he ever got was like set your line to the quarterback, you know, yeah. which is like seven yards deep because they're going to drop to that seven yard mark and never deviate from that line. Like never let the tackle dictate where you're rushing right you always I remember talking about the same that, thing yeah yeah and so right now like chase doesn't do that his line is you watch his line it's all over the place right sometimes it's right down the middle sometimes it's too far upfield sometimes it's too far inside and that's what a tackle wants they want you to be uncomfortable they want you to have a hard time right and he's kind of doing that for them and again i i think chase is a good player i think he's going to be a good pro but he's not going to be a great pro until he gets some of this stuff cleaned up. Yeah, and and I think, like, the thing I always fall back on, he is 22, and he, he was very productive at the end of last year, especially. I think he can be. I think he could go out and have, like, if he does some of this, then he's going to have a big game Sunday, very possible. Yeah. So I don't think anybody's writing him off. It's just more like what was expected, not just from the outside world, because everyone wants to say, oh, the media overhyped him. No, this is a guy who he and Montessor were saying they wanted to break records. They felt like they right. could break records. So you know that he holds himself to a higher standard. You know that he wants more too. And I think the, the key is, as you know, it's not just sacks. It's consistent pressures. Make your yeah. presence felt. And then, and then other things will fall into place. And, you know, you just wonder, though, like, you know, you knew there was there were some – concerns or complaints by the D linemen with what they were being taught last year. And cause it was different than what they were used to. And you wonder if there's a lingering effect and there's all sorts of things that you wonder about with this group, if it's not coordinated, because if it's, if the chemistry is there, I kind of feel like a lot of that coordination would be there as well. I think you're probably right. I think, yeah. yeah. And again, this, this whole group is kind of in flux. You know what I mean? This, this, these kinds of games, are gross, you know, like having been a part of games like this. So I, everyone's going to look for every little bit of minutia to kind of say, well, this needs to be corrected. This needs right. to be different. And I get that. But like, ultimately it's like, can those guys kind of come together as a group, start seeing things affected? Yeah. That's, that's just, that's the whole defensive structure too. You know, that's just not this group. And I think right, right. that stuff takes time. Like I've said that before. And I know this fan base is not known for being overly patient, but like, <laughs> that's just, this is not going to get correct. This is not going to get corrected in a week. You know, like it's not, it's, it's a growth process. 
Yes. It's a growth. Yes. And it's, and it's like I said, it's okay. They're looking long-term with this. Yes. I mean, it's not okay right now because you, everybody wants it right now. I get that, but there is a growth process involved here and this is part of it. And if, you know, if Chase grows like that, he's going to be a really, really, really good player. And, it, you know, and, and, and we'll see. And again, I think he can still make his presence felt in a big way while he's growing. And I think yeah. that's, they feel the same way and he feels the same way. So I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Prosper Insurance has an offer that's tough to beat and will benefit you one way or another. When you get a quote with Prosper Insurance, if they can't beat your home or auto quote, they will send you an official Washington football team legend jersey. Of course, if they do beat it, you'll be able to afford your own jersey or two. I can tell you from experience, the quote I received was $2,000 less than my previous insurer. It might not be like that for everyone, but why not find out? Finding the right insurance can be a pain, but Prosper makes it easy while providing great service and advice. Their licensed advisors shop the market with top companies like Allstate, Nationwide, Progressive, Travelers, and more to find you the perfect coverage at a great rate, which helps explain why Prosper has more than 1,000 five-star reviews on Google. You have nothing to lose. Simply visit prosper.insurance slash to get your quote and a possible Washington football team legend jersey. That's prosper.insurance slash K-E-I-M. This offer is good from September 13th to September 30th. You know what else is cool? They plant a tree for every policy they write. That's more than 66,000 trees and counting. Get ready to feel good about your insurance. Let's switch to offense to real quick. I only go a couple more minutes, but Taylor Heineke, what what did you see and what do you think we'll see moving forward? So like this was always kind of one of my questions with regards to Taylor. Like if you watch the Giants game and if you watch even the the Bucks game, you know, like he puts the ball in harm's way just enough to make you nervous. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like you love that. You love that he's got the confidence to make some of those throws. But like up until this point, like those plays haven't cost the team anything, right? And now all of a sudden, you know, he so, like those throws that he was kind of maybe not super fastidious with, he wasn't very careful with, now are kind of coming back to bite the team in the butt a little bit. And that's part of growing as a quarterback. That's part of the maturation. That's what separates backups from starters is guys who know how to take care of the football consistently in it, uh, down in and down out, and then know when to put it in harm's way or, or kind of maybe walk that razor's edge a little bit more. And I think Heineke's learning that process right learning what that takes and another thing that kind of you, you wonder about is his ability to kind of this was like a big boy defense that he got to go against yeah, right big time. they um you know they like we talked about did a good job disguising like you know that's going to get better with experience but can he kind of help himself along you know studying and i've heard i've heard from everybody in the building that that's the kind of guy is a smart guy he's going to learn from this experience but you know now that teams have seen him more things are going to get more specific to stopping Taylor Heineke. And that's something that I always kind of go back on. People always said, oh, he's going to be the starter. I'm like, I don't make any definitive claim about starting or not starting until I've seen at least three games. Sure. Probably I prefer close to five. You know what I mean? Because NFL defenses are amazing. Yeah, right. You get like finding what a player's not good at and then forcing them into those things. Absolutely. And then last thing before, by the way, on the line, like, there's some guys up there that are playing like John Allen has had some really good games. Deron Payne had a really good game the other day. I think Montez Sweat has had yeah. some good moments. 
you know, and I, you know, and I think Chase has had some yeah. good, some good moments. It's not like individually, there are things that you can look at and say, yeah. Oh, that looks good, good, good. And so I just, I wanted to go back to that because I don't want people to think it's just all or whatever, because yeah, we're not like, like, I, yeah. think, I think the thing that I'm saying, and I think you're saying too, is that like, they're really talented and it shows yeah. up, but it's just when you have so much draft capital invested in that group, you expect that. I think fans expect them. And I, I think the coaching staff probably expects them to just, I be think a the players bit, expect it. Yeah. To be a little bit more consistent. And that, I don't think I'm saying anything that's overly critical when I say that they can be more consistent. And then how, you know, the big thing here is how now you, do you respond to a game like that? What is the key yeah. to respond? Because like also after a game like that, you did have Chase, you know, saying like, you know, the BSing stuff and all that. But so how do you, how should a team or, or how does a team respond to a game like this? I think what it's really to tough. Happen? I think it's really tough because I think the immediate response is like, we got to just go hammer this super hard to get everybody super stressed out and super tight. But you got to kind of keep that kind of, keep some looseness right you got to go fix what you can fix but you can't fix everything in a week right so it's about prioritizing what you can fix prioritize things that need to be better and i hopefully the coaching staff does that and it's not like this total overhaul of like defensive philosophy and everybody's doing everything wrong and all this stuff because i think that just makes players play tight and stiff and that's not good for anybody i will say i've started my prep for atlanta i think this is possibly a get right game you know like in the sense that like Matt Ryan looks like he's having a tough time sure. with the new offense. Not like he looks fine, but like he's putting the ball in harm's way a little bit more. He's checking the ball down a little bit more than you'd like to see him do. And so if this, if this group needs one, this offense is, is going through a little bit of growing pains also. So maybe this is a good kind of match, you know, getting a, a, st a struggling defense against an offense that hasn't quite found its legs yet and see what happens. You think like in a game like last week when you get blown out like that, like there was a lot of talk about the defense from me, from everybody. It was it was yeah. people who played the game really like this D. And even though I agree with what you said at the end of the year, there was some you knew the quarterback play was going to make it tougher for them, but they're still not playing as well as they, they could. Do you think a game – did they need a game like this to say like, okay, whatever we're doing is not – whether it's the players or whatever, like can that – can this game help them grow? Well, I think, you know, it's important to understand, I think, like Jack Del Rio's defensive philosophy, at least last year, was like, bed but don't break. So they were giving up sure. a ton of yards, right? They were giving up a ton of yards, but they were kind of able to bat down the hatches in the red zone. And I think that um, I think that that's a fine defensive philosophy, but fans got to be ready for it, you know? And then you got to mm -hmm. execute when it's in the red zone, and they haven't done right. that so far. No, that's a, big key. that's a big key this year, yeah. Yeah, so like they were really good in the red zone last year. Obviously, they're struggling this year. I think the defensive philosophy is fine, but you have to execute the way it's supposed to be executed. And so um, I'm sorry, I forgot your question. I was not a oh, just like, maybe, did, did you think maybe they needed a game like this in order to grow? Like if, if there's a, like a reminder that you can't just go out there and do this because this is the result. Yeah. I think I always found that like in training camp, for example, like you'd be going against your defense and then you'd go up against another defense and you'd be like, Oh wow, that defense is way better than our defense. Like we weren't practicing to the level that we needed to if we wanted to be a good team this year. I think that's always eye-opening. It's always eye-opening to see somebody who is at the show, who's where you want to be. Like I look at, you know, they're, the, the Bills are possibly a favorite for the Super Bowl this year, right? And I think rightfully so. That roster is really flushed out. And so that's where you want to go. That's how you got to execute. That's the example. And that team that's really good took you out behind the woodshed and showed you why they're there, why they are the way they are. And I think that's always good for a young team to kind of say, wow, we're not as good as we thought we were. We have a lot of things we could do better. I think it's good for a coaching staff, you know, to say, oh, 
you know, offensively, we could do this stuff better because this is the, this is the response we're getting. And defensively, we can do these things better because this is what we're going to see moving forward. And I think it's always, it might not feel good, but I think it is good, you know, especially even in life, you know, when you have kind of a stumble, yeah. like if you can learn from it and move on, I think, and, and get better from it, I think it's always better. Yeah. And la very last thing. I appreciate it, Logan. I'm sorry. I said this last thing earlier, Matt Ryan, you play with them just one more, one minute on, on what, what you still see from him and what makes him a, you know, what has made him a good quarterback. So I love playing with Matt. He was a guy that was like uber competitive, like, you know, very fastidious, very like, studious and how he prepared. He knew everything you could anything and ask him. He would know every little detail of it. Um, he took really serious ownership of the offense and I'm sure that's still a part of it. Obviously, it's a new offensive scheme this year for him. He looks uh, not quite as comfortable because, you know, this is the first time he's been out of, like, the Kyle Shanahan verbiage and probably, ooh, shoot now, what is this, like five years? So yeah. that's that's going to be a big switch for him, and especially for a guy who prides himself on knowing every detail. You can't learn an offense in an offseason. Like, you can learn the superficial level, but you can't learn the detail. So I think he's probably going through that a little bit, and he's – kind of getting to learn some new pieces, right? His number one security blanket, Julio Jones, who's been with him his whole career, is no longer there. He doesn't have like a true number one outside of Calvin Ridley, who has his own deficiencies as a player. Really, maybe the most technically best route runner like I've played with. Very good route runner, but not Julio in terms of size and stature. Kyle Pitts hasn't started going yet. And um, you can see some of those growing pains with him, but I think he's still a heck of a competitor and a great leader, and he'll get the most he can out of th those guys, you know. Logan, why don't you plug your Instagram page for people because they need to go check that out. Oh, yeah. So Logan underscore Paulson82. I appreciate it, John. And uh, always have a good time talking to you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Logan for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back Friday with a look at the Falcons and predictions and perhaps a player interview. We'll see. Talk to you next time.